having a chat with Nelio today about the Capybara. He's known as the Capybara guy. Um, he's been doing that for years and years. Um, he then transitions from Capybara, finds out he's, uh, he's got a few weaknesses he needs to work on, and uh, he chats. He chats to me about how he goes from one thing to the other. Uh, I won't. I won't say too much because that's what the podcast is for. Just for you to understand that and learn about that from people that actually know what's going on. So really good listen. Thanks so much again to Nellio for for coming on. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. Uh, Welcome to the caravan and also uh, the podcast. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I want to talk to start with about you. Yeah. Find out about you. Let everyone know what you're about. So you're Nellio. You've got a really cool um, growing up story as well. Mm, mm. Remind me where you were born. So my family is from Mozambique. I was born in Mozambique. And then um, you had uh, war there. Oh, yeah. So in just about 1983 we left. Yeah. Uh, then I lived in Spain. Nice. Portugal. Um, and then eventually moved to the UK. So I had my education in Portugal, where I live with my nan. Yeah. But then my mom lived in Spain, and that's where I spent most of the time. Where I didn't, where when I was in school, I just spent my childhood in Spain. Nice. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. And um, on Instagram, you're known as the Capuera guy, and yeah. not on social media as a general rule. Yeah. Is that your main focus? Is that your baby? Yeah, that's that's where I've spent. Um, a lifetime really of, of, of studying and dedication and stuff. Um, so I, I kind of, inco- I wasn't very physical. I wasn't very sporty. I think I've shared with you and some of uh, uh, our colleagues a few photos of my childhood where you saw me being a bit overweight. Yeah, yeah. So um, being a black kid uh, growing up in Portugal, they tried to recruit me for football and I was terrible yeah <laughs> <laughs> but there was this expectation that i was yeah, going to be sure. yeah, good at yeah. it my older brother was good at it uh so it was difficult because i wasn't really presented to many of i didn't have many opportunities to nurture a talent to a traditional sport mm-hmm. so i was left with this uh, belief that i wasn't good at sports yeah. uh, when i was 17 I was doing a little bit of drama at school and then through drama I got introduced to capoeira. So I started doing capoeira and there was something about it that was exciting. There was, I think there was this idea of the history behind it, this movement of resistance, this martial art that was used as self-defense. And also, you know, when you're looking at what is going on right now, right now, you know, at times where you have this movement of people creating awareness to issues that are based on racism or lack of opportunities or lack of equality yeah i think growing up i was finding really hard to maintain an interest in history just because of how he was being given to me mm. so you know everything that was on top of the narrative of the portuguese uh, point of view in which we went to Africa, we invented the caravel, we, um, you know, end up being responsible for teaching faith and education to all these 
uh, Africans. Yeah. And so whilst I was a whilst I had to learn that, it didn't really fit in very well with my personal history and my personal background. Yeah, sure. And learning capoeira and learning that capoeira was this form of resistance through martial arts in which black people in South America, in Brazil, who were trying to stay connected with a form of self-defense or trying to stay connected with a narrative, yeah. that was really exciting. Yeah, I like that. Because the narrative that was presented to me was always on my Portuguese heritage yeah. and never on my African heritage. So yeah. there was something unsatisfying there. So I'm as Portuguese as I am African, yeah. you know, because I have that, you know, um, some people like to call it biracial, uh -huh. um, but or some people might like to call it mixed heritage. Yeah, yeah. So this is how I see me. So Capoeira was really interesting because it kind of brought some of the narrative that I wasn't be able to access to. Yeah. You know, there was an element of that, and then there was an element of an environment where I could learn something, maybe not being good at it today, but with repetition, with practice. Yeah. Uh, getting becoming slightly better at it so I started when I was roughly 17 years old and by the age that I was 19 I was already teaching it to different groups of cool. people so I kind of got pushed into becoming a coach or becoming a teacher an assistant teacher from a very early stage within my practice um, and there's something about me that when I identify something that is very good at me very good to me somehow involuntarily I want to share with other people yeah. so I became a capoeira teacher because you know I started losing a little bit weight I started taking a little bit of a leadership role with our capoeira group I started being responsible for teaching teenagers and so all of those things were really positive towards uh, my self-image my self-belief you know it was really 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 positive really wow. positive so I just stuck to it kept on doing it I wasn't good at it to start with yeah at all you know a lot of my colleagues they could do backflips they had broader shoulders so they could hold handstands for longer they yeah. they had a lot more of of a background of relating to sports that made them a little bit more uh, able with learning this capoeira skill and um, for me what was interesting is that I didn't have the initial skills to start but the journey of learning was very, very exciting to me, you know. So I kind of used that as an inspiration of continue to do it and maybe empower myself with enough knowledge to help other people believe in themselves. Whether yeah. we're looking at young people, children or adults, I think I got a lot of satisfaction of assisting people in believing themselves through a martial arts through a movement practice to a relationship with a sport in yeah. in particular you have to stop me whenever you feel like you can stop me because i can good. talk forever so good <laughs> I, I do have a question about capoeira though yeah so and um, correct me if i'm wrong i believe you explained it to me the the reason it started was because it was it in slavery that you weren't allowed to know self-defense is that is that is that quite right similar yeah and then they taught this as a dance yeah. but it was teaching the martial arts moves yeah. within a dance sense is that correct yeah. so there's an element of almost like you don't know what you've got until it's gone 
So in a way, you almost needed the slave trade itself to have happened so that different people were aware of the unique legacy that they had with mm. regards to the cultures, the ways, the teaching of their ancestors or of their grandparents. So I think when you look at South America and when you look at Africans of different ethnicities from within the African country, continent, the, the common denominator was that everybody was away from their homeland uh -huh. and everybody was deprived of some of their freedoms. Mm. So you have, for example, West African cultures that got extracted from their homeland and people were working hard to, pres to preserve their dances, for example. You could have East African cultures in which people were unrooted from their homelands and in South America, in Brazil, people were working hard towards preserving their traditional games. Mm -hmm. Or you could have Southern African peop uh, uh, cultures that were trying to remain in touch with forms of physical resistance or survival in a hostile environment. Mm. So South America and Brazil and the environment created by the slave trade created this unique melting point for these things to come together. So the, this is when we're looking to environment. Mm. So the role that environment has to develop or to nurture a specific practice. Yeah. So when you look at slavery in Brazil, you look at Africans from different ethnicities, from different places in the continent, that the only thing that they shared in common is that they were now in this specific land together mm. so they didn't speak the same language they didn't have the same cooking habits yeah. they didn't have the same faith or the same religion but in that specific environment where you know their liberties have been taken away they had to find what were the common grounds yeah that connection that connection and then that environment of uh, hostility towards them me meant that they had no ac access to any weapons. They had no access to any education. So on one hand, they had to try and preserve whatever aspects of education they had inherited from their parents or their grandparents. Um, and also they had to try and preserve whatever physical manifestations that they had been uh, um, uh, exposed to in their childhood and say, how can we use this to empower ourselves? So there's the aspect of the form of fighting, empowering you, and there's the aspect of you feeling part of something and belonging to somewhere that also empowers you. So I think Capoeira was uh, instrumental in teaching the form of self-defense that was used effectively throughout Brazil, but also showing this specific uh, racial group of what they were capable of. Yeah. Whether it's performance-wise of how high can I jump or how hard can I kick, or whether you look into a bigger thing, which is the idea of believing in ourselves, creating your own role models, and be able to say, you know, there is a different narrative here. Yeah. There's a different story here that's not being told. So Capoeira was, you know, really exciting for me in all of those aspects. Yeah, love that. Yeah. So Capoeira was where it started for you. Yeah. That's where you got into your fitness side of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where did it go from there? So 
you were you still in Portugal at this time? Yeah, so I started working with teaching martial arts to groups when I was 19 years old um, as a teacher assistant to my local um, teacher back home. Uh, so the guy who I was learning my capoeira from, he eventually found some opportunities for me to coach as well. Because yeah. uh, part of his goals was to expand. I didn't know. I was just excited in the yeah. middle of it. Yeah. So an opportunity, let me take over it. So within two years of practice, I was then responsible for to teach a group. And that made me more curious about strengthening my own knowledge so that when I put myself in a position... Uh, to teach now I know what I'm talking about yeah so there was a time that we believed that all we needed was capoeira and all our solutions were going to be found in capoeira whether they were uh, lifestyle solutions whether they were strength mobility you know we came from this mindset that capoeira was this big well that you could collect everything from yeah and I think, you know, after 15 years of practice, roughly, I started to feel that it was not enough. So a few niggles, a few pains, and then lack of strength. So then, roughly in 2009, I started bridging the gap and working hard towards getting more knowledge with, that was within the strength and conditioning world, eventually within the, the you know, the fitness world, but also to the, to the performance environment yeah. of things. So I felt the need to know things better from a different lens yeah. rather than just the capoeira specific lens. The capoeira specific lens was very much based on an oral tradition. So what that elder teaches me is what I would teach you. Yeah. I would preserve that to the maximum. I wouldn't question that, but I would keep that knowledge within that environment and not add other things that could complement that knowledge so in 2009 i trained with a central yfk qualification as a level two fitness instructor i found that the qualification was very very poor Mm -hmm. and i didn't for a whole year i didn't feel like i had the confidence to work as a fitness instructor so i then put some more money towards uh, training to become a personal trainer. So I did that, came out of the personal training course feeling exactly the same. Do uh, yeah. you know, I was still feeling like, it feels like all I'm learning is health and safety. Yeah. You know, how to teach someone to use a specific apparatus in a way that they're not going to put their own um, health at risk. Yeah. That's what it felt like. So again, I didn't, go into working for another couple of years yeah then i started um i i found a platform called perform better which was a functional training platform where i was getting a lot of my education from sometimes via webinars sometimes via podcasts and then eventually to this uh, big functional training conferences so i think at at an early stage I identify myself within functional training. So I didn't go through aesthetics of bodybuilding. I didn't go through uh, this idea of calorie expenditure that the the fitness um, industry promotes of, you know, how many calories are you uh, going to burn within 45 minutes or 60 minutes. You know, um, 
I think what came across to me is how can I understand something better? So this basic premise of functional training is that we don't train body parts. What we train is movement chains. Yeah. And we try to be better at understanding how uh, we can understand the different stages of a movement chain and by doing that how we can get the best performance whether if it's I'm sprinting from A to B or if it's if I'm lifting an object above my head yeah. and how well I, how good I want to be at lifting that object above my head yeah. so I did that for a little bit um, so loads of online training then visiting conferences uh, funny enough, I was visiting more conferences abroad than I was in this own country. Oh, wow. um, abroad, I would pay sometimes 200 euros for two days of being exposed to different speakers that I was um, in awe of, yeah. different speakers that I admire. So this guy, Michael Boyle from Michael Bone Strength and Conditioning, uh, another guy, Mark Verstehen from Exus or uh, Atlas Performance, you know, so different industry leaders that I identify that I could really, I think relatedness is a big thing. You have to yeah. relate to your education provider quite a lot. You know, one of the things that I learned um, at a quite early stage, and I'm happy to share in this podcast, is that I was asked by this really coach, this big coach that I admire. He says, you have to decide if you want to be a chef or a cook. And I said, what do you mean? He says, you have to decide if you want to be a chef or a cook. And I said, what do you really mean? If you're going to be the chef, the guy who is going to do the investigative work to then come and put together a recipe, you know, or if you're going to be the cook, the guy that is going to be a, doing a really good job at knowing how to follow mm. that recipe and deliver that to the maximum. Yeah. You know, and, and he was saying you have to decide because the process of maybe you becoming a chef might be a much longer process. It might mean a lot more experience. Yeah. The process of being of you becoming a cook might mean that, that you just have to be really good at understanding someone's recipe, yeah. know what is the basic premise behind that recipe, and do a fantastic job at delivering that meal to that table. So I think within the fitness industry, I don't see myself as someone who needs to create a lot of stuff, but identifying some industry leaders who do things really well, yeah. and how can I learn from them and train a delivery of that content so that my clients can be satisfied with. Yeah. You know, And it feels like my clients are happy for me to be the person that outsources the information for them, and delivers in a way that they're already familiar with and the way that they appreciate that is via me. So I made that decision to eventually become that cook within the fitness industry and just doing the best that I could with um, learning from the best in the industry yeah. and how can I um, work on my delivery so that you can work with my clientele. Yeah, love that. Yeah, yeah love that. Because I think it'd be very easy for everyone to say, oh no, I'm a chef. Yeah. You know, everything I'm I'm studying or learning is new, it's fresh, yeah. it's the best. Yeah. When in actual fact a lot of it is is listening to others, yeah. taking on the information they say, and then being able to translate that from what could be extremely scientific or extremely hippie lardy dardy yeah. and bringing it and putting it you are almost like a funnel. Yeah. You're almost taking it all 
and you're condensing it down and giving it out and yeah. I think you are really really good at that because yeah. one thing I'm really keen to chat to you about is yeah. is mobility mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and just to give the podcast a bit of a backstory Nelly and I work together uh, we do these boot camps together for a company called Plan B um, and when we're doing sessions together Nellio always finishes the session with a really good stretch and um, and I often say to our clients that we've got the mo mobility master with us. How have you, so we've talked about your the capoeira as a sport and that how that increased your fitness, but how when did you make, it, it may have always been the case, mm. you spoke about in 2009 you made the, the change to increase your knowledge. Mm. Was mobility part of that and was, you know, you decided to be a functional trainer? Did that all happen in 09 or was that happening throughout, do you think? I think mobility was not uh, a direct part of the... It wasn't a specific component of what you would learn within the strength and conditioning world or within the fitness world. Um, there were elements of it that I had identified as feel-good elements. So maybe the specific tr stretch that I really loved or yeah. something that I would teach someone that they would really appreciate. But I think my personal journey was that I did a lot of coaching. 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 So... Um, in order to make my business work, I then started neglecting myself as a martial artist, as a sports person, as a fitness enthusiast, and I put all of my focus in becoming a trainer, a coach, a teacher. Um, so that proved useful in the experience that I've acquired in working with different individuals and individuals from different ages. But that also meant a little bit of neglect with my own performance as a sports person. Yeah. So, you know, within Capoeira we have competitions. And before I did a lot of teaching, I was actually standing out in a lot of competitions. So I got the second place uh, in a European competition in 1999. Uh, a European level and then 2001 I got the best place in the same competition wow. then I went to Brazil to compete and I would stand out as a foreigner competitor within an environment there was a lot of na native people to Capoeira yeah. but then the overwhelming amount of coaching and teaching back to back to try and build the hours so that you could have a sustainable business meant a little bit of neglect mm. um, and that neglect was in the back of my mind in a weird way that I couldn't really touch it. I couldn't really identify it. But there was, you know, I started to feel restrictions, um, limitations. I started to feel some lack of enthusiasm. And then I started to feel pain. So I think the restrictions, the limitations, the lack of enthusiasm and the pain were all things that were starting to tell me there's something that is not right. Yeah. You know, there's something in your balance that is not right. So, and I think what wasn't right is this conception within that I had within my martial arts world that I had to be an athlete, a coach, a performer, 
everything in one. A mentor, I had to be all these things in one. From a very early stage, I had to be all in one. And and this idea as well that you know it, where in martial arts or in the martial arts that I did as a capoeira, we completely neglected the idea of periodization. So I had to be in top shape for twelve months a year. Wow, yeah. You know, so twelve months a year I had to be at the top of my game. Twelve months a year I had to be doing you know I don't know, uh, uh one hundred kicks per session, you know, two thousand kicks per months yeah. you know uh, or I had to be able to with very little warm-up or preparation just demonstrate this very high kick or every time that I was performing to an audience I had to go and then show these backflips and all these different things that people wanted to see yeah. that were spectacular so you become a slave of an image mm -hmm. and personally I didn't put enough work behind the scenes for that image to be maintained. Yeah. So then the restrictions came in where, so let's say I started lose, losing my back flexibility. So I've always been very good at back bends. Yeah. And then back bends started feeling weird. Yeah. You know? And then there was injury and then injury was presenting even more restrictions. You know, so then there was the need to investigate more into core strength because just the youth that I had or the physical ability that I developed was not enough. So yeah. there was an element so of so the same way that in two thousand and nine I identified that I had to become stronger to avoid shoulder injuries or elbow injuries or wrist injuries. Yeah. Then I started identifying that I need to understand more about core yeah. to avoid maybe um, you know, lower back uh, injuries or different injuries that come out of it. And then eventually the mobility came across as this idea of increasing range of motion. But the mobility also presented another interesting aspect, which is time for self. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And building a routine for self. And then building a routine that will keep you optimal on a very long term. Yeah. So the mobility came across um, as this beautiful tool that will help me to um, stay away from pain, uh -huh. uh, will help me increase range of motion with my kicks, especially with leg raises, yeah. rotational work, but it also pre presents this idea of movement as medicine. And then movement as medicine is this idea that when you feel pain, instead of thinking about what drugs can I take, to uh, control that pain or instead of thinking what gadgets can I buy uh -huh. to increase my performance and to imagine that pain you look at a specific mindset and a level of knowledge and a specific structure that you follow through that repetition and the right exercise being prescribed to you just like the GP would prescribe you Volterrain or anything like yeah. that, you get prescribed a certain amount of exercises that you introduce to your routine, maybe once a day or twice a day, exactly like um, something that you would take as a medicine, yeah. and that will start giving you some of your health back. Yeah. So I felt, I felt, 
that I was addressing my pain more effectively. I felt that I was addressing it through movement. And I also felt that it was bringing me a different movement vocabulary. So I, I, I had moved as a capoeirista, a capoeira person, for the best part of 20 years. Then I moved as a strength and conditioning athlete for the best part of 10 years. And now it feels like I need to move in a more intuitive way going forward. So whilst the different tools that I've accumulated so far are very useful and they've allowed me to develop uh, skills in a specific environment, but now it feels that the mobility comes across as maybe a lifetime solution to not only stay physically well, but to preserve a mental space mm. where you, 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 you remain optimal with regards to the different aspects of yourself as a fitness enthusiast or an athlete or as a performer or as a coach. So I think I'm finding it hard to just answer your questions directly and not going around quite a lot. No. So do um, no, no, stop me when you need to. No, I think it's really important because it really highlights as an athlete also as an, an everyday gym goer, fitness person, that fitness is not one dimensional. Mm. You can't just watch the best exercise to do for this. That's not a thing. Answering the questions as you are really highlights this. And I think that's really important. There's no magic pill. It's consistency. It's working damn hard. And it's trying to work on your weaknesses as you go along, finding them out finding out that actually me doing that may be good for one thing but it's really bad for another thing and I need to stop I think it's I think I, I, I hope you're not feeling self-conscious that that's the way you're answering the question because it's perfect it answers one question and a million others that and hopefully highlights to you know people listening if anyone does listen other than you and I yeah. um, that you might think that you've got the answer but actually you don't you have one of many answers mm -hmm. is it the right one for now yeah maybe no change adapt etc etc i think this is where i really value what you're trying to do with the podcast because the exchange of information um the the, the debate the the the, the, the conversations uh, learning. Um, I've listened to one of your podcasts, um, you know, and uh, and then learning from business owners or strategies that people have employed that have been uh, useful. Some of them that might have not delivered the results that they needed to to, to deliver, but were useful in teaching us a lesson. You know, so I find this, you know, when I first uh, discovered about your, your podcast, I was excited. Uh, I never expected you to invite me uh, um, to, to take part. But I was excited because, um, you know, I, I really value this idea of us knowing of each other's journey, you know, and learning from each other's journeys. Yes. Um, I find it really, really interesting exchange of knowledge um, I'm really happy that different people that I know different people that you know are happy to come to this environment and having these conversations and, and sharing where we've been because um, especially in the fitness industry there's a few myths you know yeah. I don't know how to pronounce that word properly myth uh, the no, plural version of it 
myths. Myths. Um, so there's a few of those. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's about time that as people that have a voice and an active voice in the fitness community, that we start working proactively towards breaking some of those stereotypes that might end up taking some of our even our clients or people that we know in the wrong direction, you know, yeah. these shortcuts, these quick solutions yeah. that sometimes are being promoted within, within, within the, the industry. So I think, you know, like what you said, that there's different tools that are valid for us at different time and at different times and whether or not we're humble enough to listen to what another trainer is saying or listen to what your client is saying. So this active listening skill, yeah. You know, that we, we, we try to develop of really, really listening. Um, you know, I learn a lot from my clients. Uh, I, I learn a lot from my work colleagues. Um, you know, I learn a lot from the people who have employed me in a specific capacity or another. You know, so I think it's really, really, really interesting. Um, so going back to, the, to this point of, of, of the mobility, I, it felt like I didn't have the ability to listen to myself for a while. So I just kept on going and doing the same stuff and my body was becoming a bit stiff and strict and you know maybe feeling unease and I just didn't have the ability to 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 listen to myself to pinpoint what was happening there. Yeah. So it wasn't that my passion for my sport was going away. It wasn't that my passion for my teaching of capoeira was going away. Uh, but my body was asking for a different solution. Not a different solution to replace what I was doing, but maybe a different solution to contribute and maybe enhance what I was doing already. Mm. You know, and, and I think going forward and in the last year, this, you know, the fitness industry has this unique ability to pick up something that's really good, exploit it to the maximum, and then come up with a somehow diluted version of it and then move on to the next thing. So, you know, you know, two, three years ago, everybody was talking about hit, 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 yeah. hit. All these versions about hit. You know, 10 years ago, it was Tabata. Tabata was the magic word, yeah. you know, which is a, a form of hit. So it's gone yeah. just rebranded, yeah. you know. And, um, you know, kettlebells came up. And, 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 and then it was funny because the fitness industry would deliver you a four-hour course and you would be a proficient uh, teacher of kettlebell swings yeah. well I'd be taking part in kettlebell lessons for years and I didn't feel comfortable enough to coach yeah. so we have to you know take all of these things in consideration so mobility is a big word and it's a word that we are now starting to hear or see appearing here there and everywhere yeah. but I think um, us as coaches and maybe different fitness enthusiasts who are listening to this uh, podcast will look into the idea of maybe pursue and feed our interest to learn about this without any specific agenda. You know, just learning for the sake of learning and maybe learning, uh, thinking, is this something that I can bring to myself? Yeah. So, for example, uh, movement flow, which yes. is something that comes out of this uh, uh, mobility itself. So in Capoeira, we have been looking at animal movement to condition our practice for years. And a lot of, uh, um, you know, 
our capoeira kicks are named after animal movements and stuff. Yeah. And you get intrigued whether or not you know, um, 60 or 8 years ago, the people, or 200 years ago, the, the people that developed the primitive version of it were inspired by nature, yeah. by the different animals they see to develop those vocabulary. The same way we see that in Kung Fu yeah, and, and some right. styles of Kung Fu that have, have got this monkey style or this tiger style, where there's a relationship with nature. So when it comes to the word flow, what we know is that in psychology, flow refers to a specific mental state where things are working for you. Yeah. You know, you, you got to work, okay, and then after work you'll be able to find the right time to have a nice meal. And then you'd have time to contact those loved ones of yours and maybe give them a little bit of attention. Yeah. And then after that you have maybe time of maybe nurturing a, a hobby. So flow in, 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 in psychology refers to this state of of fluidity between the different things that are part of you being well. Yeah. You know? So now this movement flow would refer to moving through the range of motion of your different joints or articulations pain free. So whether I'm be able to, to lift an object above my head that is relatively heavy, could be maybe half my weight or twice my weight or three times my weight, but whether I can lift it above my head Obviously, knowing that the benefits of it on the long term for me as I age, like bone density yeah. or, or, or even overall benefits to my posterior chain or different things, but also knowing that I can do that without putting myself at risk yeah. by, you know, finding the right coach, having the right type of frequency, doing those exercises, yeah. but then understanding that I will flow so if I'm looking at an Olympic weight lift, I will flow through that lift. If I've understood the different components of that lift, how I've broken them down, and what role are my shoulders playing, my wrists playing, my elbows playing, my hips playing, my hip hinges playing, yeah. you know, the roles, you know. So this idea that movement flow, which I see happening here, there, and everywhere, um, I'm, I have been tempted, to be honest with you, to take a weekend course yeah. uh, to learn this specific skill, skill and then add it to my toolkit of things that I can teach. Yeah. But in the meantime, I think I've chosen for this specific skill the long path in which I'm learning from different individuals who have sustained this practice for yeah. a long time. And I'm happy to learn from them as a student, not as someone that comes in to get a specific skill to then start trading with that specific skill at this stage just because how i identify it is a long-term journey yeah. i don't want to take any shortcut because i don't want to get exhausted or tired of it within six months or a year and yeah. then start looking for the next best best thing i think what i what i've identified is that the mobility and the movement flow have fit in really well with my weight training. They fit in really well with my martial arts training. Uh, it's a tool that I've been presenting to some of my clients with uh, some positive feedback from my clients. And it has helped me finding a specific mental headspace that I can preserve as mine yeah. and where I can develop a very resilient mindset so I can be in a good place and resist the everyday challenges yeah of being an adult, of yeah. being a coach, of yeah. being a partner of someone, of being a dad. Yeah, and that ties in really nice with, with something else I wanted to chat to you about, is 
yes we could all do everything but time doesn't allow that maybe time does allow that but we would just end up being burnt out etc etc have you got any thoughts about how you can take time out or create more time in other areas of your life so you can add in the things that we've spoken about it's funny that you asked that because this has been a, a my my weak weak point um you know it's been a a a, a weak point of mine to create space and time for well-being outside the satisfaction of what I do for a living. Yeah. This has been a real weakness of mine. So um, I think what I've... So let me see, how, how do I start? So I've, I've the first thing that I've done is that I've developed the awareness. Yeah, that's the most you important know? thing. Really, so I've identified the things that were not right, you know, my workload, um, uh, the amount of hours that I'm out of my house to work. Um, so I'm now starting to police a few different things and I'm starting to work towards being able to have more time. I'm starting to nurture a hobby. You know, I've started to learning the guitar. So a hobby that is completely nice. different. So I had a bad habit as well, which is whenever I found that I found a hobby, something that I like, I turned it into a profession. Yeah. So that was a really bad habit of mine. So I'm now... Um, finding things to do outside strength and conditioning, outside fitness, outside the martial arts, outside a movement practice. Um, so the question that you asked was if I have any ideas or I think structure is something that I'm learning about. Yeah. And I'm also learning that relentless energy can only take you so much. Yeah. You know, so I used to see that this raw power and raw energy were my preferred solutions to getting something done and you can do that for a few years whilst you're young and I'm still young but if you want to do it in a way that you want things to be balanced if you want to enhance different aspects of your personality um, and even of your physical performance you will have to drink from different sources so the first thing that I've done is structure and I've created, I've created a very early morning routine for myself. Nice. That early morning routine gives me access to a mental space of clarity, of focused, of being focused. Um, and I am, you know, speaking to my partner to get a little bit of assistance. So I am asking for help. Yeah. Um, help with managing my time in a way that I'm not always working. And I've had to ask for help uh, recently through Plan B, the company that um, I've worked for and you've been working for. We've started uh, implementing mindset strategies, you know, and whether they look into goal setting or willpower or motivation. So I've been looking into, right, I've acquired some knowledge in what I do. I've developed skills in coaching people and working with people, skills that are unique to me. What is lacking? You know, mm. so let me scrutinize what I've done, what I do for a living and how long I've done it and see what is missing. So once I identify the missing points, so how can I realistically implement some of these things that are missing? And now of all, all of these things that I've identified as 
areas of interest, which ones are the ones that tie in nicely with how I want to live my life, which one are the ones that benefit me, my family structure, my long-term goals. Um, so I'm trying to look for a specific answer to your question. So the first thing would be structure, then structure to routine. Yeah. Then I would say a movement practice that mean, brings mind and body together. Yeah. So that is what I've achieved through my mobility training and through my flow training. Yeah, it's really, really cool that you're on your own journey and, and I love the idea of, of learning from that mm. and how others can learn from that is to mm. see what it is they're lacking in at the moment and at the moment it's a really tricky time I think we all feel we're lacking from a bit of freedom mm -hmm. um, but let's say in normal life in inverted commas find out what we're lacking from or what we want to improve on and then doing exactly what you say adding structure mm -hmm. and then adding routine to that structure asking for help when you need it mm. and then it's part of your lifestyle yeah. just because you've done three well, I said, yeah. Is, there, is there anything I've missed? A structure, routine, and then asking for help? It kind of covers yeah, all Yeah, and, uh, and that um, movement-based based practice that brings yes. mind and body together. Yeah, that's exactly the you whole know? point. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going the right way towards bringing meaning and adding value mm. to your life, mm. which is the whole point, right? Yeah. You know, you meant to enjoy life and you meant yeah. to enjoy living it, and if you're working too much or doing too much of this, whether that's you find that you're spending all your life cleaning up after your other half yeah. or you're obsessed by hoovering yeah. you know it's working out what yeah. your issue may be yeah. or not so much an issue but something that you feel is consuming you a little bit too much yeah. and adding that something else so yeah. I f so i found um i find huge value in knowledge of self yeah you know uh, and then through learning a bit more about mindset uh, what i've learned is that we've all got our core beliefs that we inherit by our uh, our caregivers initially yeah. and I think at the different stages that I've been able to look in a more broader way at what is ahead were stages that um, I got disturbed by something not being right and I decided to uh, look in a broader way so there's this idea of uh, so I was talking to you about knowledge of self yeah. but also self-actualization meaning uh who i am right now is not who i was maybe a decade ago yeah for sure but if you don't work actively towards self-actualizing your knowledge of self of how you perceive yourself you will not be aware of that so you will continue yeah. to repeat how you've been defined over time or you continue to repeat how people around you have defined you yeah. so let's say that you're a person that you know, every you did you used to stay up late, and people know you as someone that stay out late. Yeah. So your environment around you will continue to perpetuate that by encouraging you to stay up late. Oh, Tom, you know how come you're waking up at six o'clock in the morning? I thought you go to bed at two o'clock a.m. at two a.m. every yeah. night. Yeah. So the people around you continue to perpetuate that. So self-actualization means that you empower yourself with knowledge of yeah. self, and you start challenging those. So let's say, you know, maybe. A decade ago, I would look at myself, oh, I find, I, I'm not fit enough to have my own business. Yeah. So you self-actualize that 
perception of yourself. You challenge it, you bring the right tools to then allow for a version of yourself that is a business owner. And, and, and now, for me, in the context of the last question that you asked, self-actualization means a version of myself that knows how to have fun, knows how to have fun outside satisfaction through work, yeah, knows yeah, yeah, how yeah. to have fun outside fulfillment through purpose via work. Yeah. You know, so my self-actualization process now is in the version of me that can see myself getting satisfaction through different um, aspects of my life that I'm now actively looking to nurture. Yeah, so it's, it's, it, I love that. And I think, uh, um, I was, whilst you're saying it, I was trying to think of a, like, a little catchy phrase. And I think it's almost your, if you carry on as you are, you become a self-fulfilling self fulfilling prophecy yeah and it's about seeing the changes that you want to make acting on those changes yeah. and then it's not reinventing yourself but you you become a better version of yourself yeah. Yeah. and I think that's a really cool yeah. really cool thing really cool message yeah. um, and something that isn't given enough time in our everyday lives yeah. it needs to be it needs to be at the forefront whereas often it's work comes first yeah. maybe family mm -hmm. comes first or you know but often it's it's family work and then self when in actual fact why is work even in that top mm -hmm. three you know it, mm -hmm. it, it, for some people it's what they love I respect that whatever mm -hmm. it's just mm -hmm. can you flip it make the changes make the choices create that structure create that routine and ask for help along the way. So time is a key factor in what you mentioned because time will then give you the space, whether it's mental space, emotional space, for you to challenge what is happening. Yeah. So the catchy phrase for me would be, if you don't change the process, you will not change the outcome. So meaning, if you keep on doing things in a specific way, you will keep on creating the same challenges. So now what you said was that if you bring time you're now in a position that you can maybe question the process, look at the process, analyze the process. Can the process be done better? And can, yeah. by doing that investigation, can I get into the outcome that I want? A better yeah. outcome, a more fulfilling outcome. So yeah, um, I'm happy to have this conversation with you because it's one thing to have some of these ideas on your head, but bouncing back from somebody else, and I think, you know, these things, just having this conversation with you right now is helping me reinforce yeah. this new belief system that I want to implement for myself. You know, it's, it's helping me with my self-actualization. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. I, I do appreciate this conversation quite oh, a lot no, because of so that. So do I. Um, yeah. And always our conversations are, yeah. I find really, really interesting. Yeah. But this one is really hit a nerve. Yeah. Um, and do you know what, mate? I'll leave it there, actually, just because... I want these podcasts to not go on too long. We've been mm -hmm. chatting for 53 minutes, would you believe? Well, so um, just want to finish off with where people can find you. So you're on Instagram. Yeah, so um, <laughs> I'm laughing a little bit because I haven't been very good at maintaining a strong online presence. Uh, and that's one of the areas for improvement. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at the moment, people can find me on Instagram as 
at that capoeira guy. And capoeira is spelled in a weird way, which is C-A-P-O-E-I-R-A. So that capoeira guy. I'll also um, put that in the, um, in the description below. Fantastic. So if, if, uh... um, you know, if you are local to Richmond and Twickenham, um, I provide my services via a company called Plan B Fitness. So you can find me online. You can have access to me online via Plan B. Um, Instagram is a really good way to Instagram message you as well. would be a good way. Um, yeah, yeah, I would say that that is the best way at the moment. Or awesome. contact Tom. Tom can find me. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> awesome. No, that sounds yeah, great. Yeah. Um, and uh, something I like to do at the end of these podcasts is... is talk about something we've not planned to talk about at all yeah um but something that's really important <laughs> is um could you name me your favorite or you know it doesn't have to be your favorite but most relatable movie to capoeira or or martial arts so for example karate kid springs to mind as an example so in capoeira we have our own karate kid version movie oh, it's called only the strong only the strong. With uh, a martial artist, an actor called Mark Dacascos, cool. who also played the role of the Crow, the first one. Oh, I don't think I've seen it. The 90s. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> the 90s. So, Only the Strong would be a, a really cool um, kind of capoeira movie from the 90s where there's a specific bloke who learns capoeira, he lives in Brooklyn, then he starts teaching, then he can provide access. And it resembles to some of my story because I used to live in a local authority in a council estate. Someone came to the state to provide capoeira and gave me access to a physical activity for free. And the reason why I wasn't very fit and able to do football and other physical activities is because I haven't had access to them because they were paying uh, activities. And at that time, we didn't have the budget for me to have access to these activities. So through a social project identical to the one in this movie, I had access to this activity. And similar to the movie, you know, I related to, to the person who was providing the training, my teacher at the time. Then I, I realized that with my personal experience, I could play a role in helping other kids maybe from similar communities yeah. uh, understand that they had potential they could achieve and that somehow shaped what I did for a living for the last 20 years that. so that movie was very inspirational in that specific way oh that's awesome and remind me of the title it's only the strong only the strong yeah. perfect yeah. and one last question um, it's been your most enjoyable book you've listened to on audible recently so at the moment personal growth is a big thing yeah. Uh, atomic habits on how to learn about your habits and uh, how to learn about how your core belief system it's still right now at the forefront of how you behave on a daily basis and how by understanding uh, habits where they come from good or bad you then can employ a mindset to develop better efficiency and upgrade yourself. So personal growth has been at the forefront of, of, of what I've been doing. So Audible, uh, with the right books. I've been reading uh, some books and listening to some books that are bringing me to a more primitive um, perspective on movement as well yeah. uh, just as an area that I'm curious about yeah. so curiosity and developing my curiosity in different areas is something that I like as well fantastic that's great yeah. well mate uh, we'll call it quits there 
Fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for having me. And and uh, um, I think um, I can honestly say that you've been an inspiration to not only your clients, but to me as a colleague as well, oh, in the sense that you've used uh, lockdown to be proactive towards maybe something that was there, but didn't come out as a priority. Uh, and podcasts have helped me a lot. So I can see you as a podcast podcast host and the different people that you are bringing to this podcast, being able to really help educate people and improve their knowledge within the things that we do that bring us together. So I'm happy to for you to being a, a content uh, facilitator or contributor. And I think the different people that will gravitate towards this podcast will find uh, material and content that will be useful on the long term because I really enjoyed our conversation today the, the previous podcast that I listened to was really enjoyable had me going stimulated my brain in different ways and I enjoyed that so um, I thank you from me as well oh no not at all mate it's brilliant. <laughs> thanks buddy cheers fantastic We took the podcast on the road this week um, in the camper van called Indy. Um, so if you've got a bit of background noise, apologies for that. And I'm just driving back now from that podcast with Nelio. Hopefully see you in a couple of weeks or listen to you in a couple of weeks with, our, with my next guest. Um, yeah, I won't ruin it. I'll leave it as a surprise. Thanks again, team. Uh, stay safe, stay inside or stay outside depending on what the guidelines are. Get the job done, be positive and I'll see you on the next one. Cheers guys.